Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Case here on the Believe Podcast Network. So broadcasting. As I speak in Orlando, Florida, the morning after or the morning of, depending upon how you want to look at it, if you were here uh, watching the game against Central Florida, of course, you may be on some limited sleep like some of us, but a lot of questions that we'll try to answer. Uh, What was the worst part of this game? What was the better parts of this game? How did it happen? Uh, What Boise State did to lose halftime? What happened in that third quarter? Three stars for Central Florida. Boise State had no answer to what my impressions were of the bounce house and where Central Florida is heading with their marketing and the Big 12 expansion and Boise State's response, or at least Jeremiah Dickey's response to B.J. Reigns and the Idaho Press. So one of the questions I think worth asking, and by the way, I was there at the game uh, sitting in the Boise State fan section, which I thought was a, a decent turnout given all the challenges that the game presented, but the you know the weather and all that stuff you you had visions of the of course a game against Boston College and the postponement in Dallas uh, that that did not happen they they stuck it out I thought the field was in great shape uh, enough fans certainly turned up a lot of the Boise State fans didn't go anywhere but some questions I think a lot of us are thinking about is you know losing a twenty one nothing lead is very unusual uh, and it's one of the Biggest comebacks. It tied the biggest comeback in the history of Central Florida football. So imagine yourself in their shoes for a minute. They have the biggest comeback and the debut of their new coach against the perennial power of group of five football. So it was a pretty important moment in the history of Central Florida football and the history of Boise State football is what contributed to that. And as I looked at that, I thought, you know, what was worse, though? Losing the 21-0 lead or being up 24-7? and allowing 21 unanswered points to go down, you know, in in, in that situation, uh, 28 to 24, and then giving up a safety. There's just a lot of challenges here uh, to go through. And when you look at it, you know, again, as I think about what's worse, is it allowing 255 yards on the ground, or is it only having about 56 yards gross rushing yourself before you deduct for some losses? Uh, Is it only gaining 17 first downs on offense, or is it allowing Central Florida to get 29 first downs and dominate the time of possession? Uh, Boise State managed three sacks. They only had five tackles for loss, but the offensive line and the rest of the people who had blocking assignments allowed Central Florida to get nine tackles for loss against Boise State. Hank and the offensive line at least had eight hurries where Hank uh, Hank was throwing the ball uh, with pressure in his face. So there was a lot going on in this football game. I think we zero in on it one side of the ball at a time. Uh, The defense, I think, was in a situation where they they looked at what Malzahn was doing, and I think early in that game they wanted to spread Boise State out. They wanted to go deep, and it worked. And there was a point in time as that first half continued to wear on where Boise State started playing more two safeties. And the moment there's an extra person out of the box and he is deep to keep things in front of him, the Gus Bus 
started running over Boise State. And that Bowser kid, you know, in the second half alone, carried the ball 26 times, uh, had over 100 yards in just the second half. And I think Boise State and their defense uh, had some issues. It was a experienced Central Florida offensive line. They all returned. And if I read what Bowser said correctly to the Orlando uh, Sentinel, he said that Boise State uh, – you know, was in trouble that in the second half they got a little tired at the end of that game and Central Florida was able to take advantage of that. I'll get into that and maybe the, the last drive and what happened there and why Bachmeyer's throw wasn't maybe the worst part of that drive. But it's football season, so why don't you get on over to Bet Online, Number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Updated odds and props and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest. It's the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. It's open right now at BetOnline. Get over there. You can use your mobile device to sign up today. You get a 100% welcome bonus, so take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the upcoming Thursday, September 9th season opener with the Super Bowl champ Bucks against the Cowboys. If you lose, they'll refund your wager. Up to $25 for new customers only when you sign up and use the promo code NFL 100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book expert. And, you know, speaking of great comebacks, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom's having a great comeback in Spain in pro basketball. He's been taking this new product that he owes some of this credit to. It's called Balance 7. And Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. And I know as I age, I need a lot more help. And products like Balance 7 are what can do it. And there's really nothing like building my body back up after hours of tennis in that hot Texas sun. And I would suggest if, if you're putting yourself out there that you ought to get yourself built back up. Lamar looked pretty good in his celebrity boxing match with Aaron Carter. So get over to balance7.com. Use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping, balance7.com, and use that code, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. I did it. If it worked for him, it can work for you. We'll get into the details about how Boise State lost halftime and I'll break that third quarter down and some of the stars for Central Florida in a second, but... That last drive, I think, is where a lot of us are focusing our attention on how Boise State lost the game to Central Florida. And certainly, Bachmeyer's interception is what's getting most of the attention there. But as I look at that last drive, uh, it was a pressure situation. And there was a penalty uh, that you can't have at that time. Uh, there was a broken up pass play I thought that got in the way. And all of a sudden, you get Hank being hurried into a very poor uh, throw to Shakir. And so, you know, after all of this on that last drive, you end up with a, a third and four. So there was plenty of other things that happened on that drive that did not uh, work out and put Hank Bachmeyer in his position where he was at a third and four and has his pass intercepted at that seven-yard line. And I think Hank wanted it so bad, <clears throat> as Andy Avalos said, he threw it off one foot. He throws it against his body towards the middle of the field. He floated it. Go back and watch it a couple of times. I put it out on... Uh, my Jeff Cave's Twitter account, and you know, look at the speed with which Hank was moving, and you can imagine how fast his mind was going, and he has some growth to do in this area. He's not had a lot of a lot of reps at quarterback. He's had injuries, COVID, a lot of challenges. 
I still think he's a guy that needs to come around that way. Whether or not he'll get the time to do it or they'll give it to him uh, is being put to bed, I think, by Avalos in his post-game comments. He reminded, I think, all the fans that the team trusts Hank Bachmeyer. He points out that, that Hank's a competitor, and, and I think Hank is. I, I think you have to give Hank credit where credit's due if you want him to you know, end up where uh, everybody probably wants, and that's a New Year's Day Six Bowl appearance. You have to credit him for his improvement, and he didn't take as many late hits as he's been doing because he didn't hold on to the ball. He got rid of it at times. He threw it away at times. And and that's a lot of credit for Hank because I thought there was 100% improvement in that part of his game. I think the challenge with fans and quarterbacks is the standards are so high with Kellen Moore. And at times, Brett Rippon set those standards pretty high. Rip had his problems too. And Avalos, I think, feels that need to remind the fans that not only do the players trust Hank Bachmeyer, he does as well. And he also felt like he needed to remind fans that They've got good players on this team, and this team's going to get better. And that's a sign of a great coaching staff, as we know. And it's interesting to hear Andy, and, and I think he's intuitive enough to understand what fans are feeling and seeing because when Andy goes to Oregon, he sees things from different perspectives. He can understand how people feel towards Boise State and where they were and where they want to go and where they've been. He understands all of it. So, uh, I thought it was a pretty timely conversation from a guy that's got a lot of composure right now. But this was said a couple of times by Andy uh, and by other coaches that Boise State lost halftime. And you go into half and Gabriel gets that touchdown pass. And if you want to talk about whether Andy should have called the timeout or not, you, you can do that. That's, that's the kind of criticism that's going to come here. I didn't think it was a mistake. But if you listen to what Central Florida said, they said they got a big halftime speech from Gus Malzahn, who's been to the mountaintop. And the players said that not only did Malzahn talk, but several of the Central Florida players spoke. Remember, they were down that first half big, and they get that touchdown pass at the end of the half. And so they go in there with a lot of confidence, and they say, hey, let's go down the first drive in the third quarter. And Malzahn told them if they go down there in that first drive and they score, that they will win that game. That's exactly what happened. They throw an 11-yard touchdown pass. The game all of a sudden is not 24-14. It's 24-21. They've got all the momentum, the belief. And you hear this a lot. We, we talk about when you come back out after half, whoever plays better right there is going to have the edge in the second half. And I thought that Central Florida never gave up that edge, but I want to give Boise State a tremendous amount of credit for not quitting and continually putting themselves in a position where they were only one big play away from winning the football game, which they almost did. Now, that being said, let me add that having seen Boise State football games since you know 1980, um, Going into this season, before the game, I didn't think they'd beat Central Florida. I didn't think that was a stretch. I was trying to judge to myself, would I be more surprised if they got blown out against Central Florida or if they blew out or even won against Central Florida? And as they got closer to the game and I got into it and I got into that stadium and, and saw how everything was lined out, I, I got a better feeling about things. And I, I would have been shocked if they'd have gotten blown out. And lo and behold, they started on fire. And when that first half unfolded and there was success and there was a three-touchdown lead, I think 
A lot of Boise State fans, not only at that stadium but elsewhere, felt like the old magic was there, that this team could be dominant again. Everything was going right. Central Florida looked like they could even quit. They were getting destroyed. And the run game was working. There was pounding going on up front. There was defensive big plays. There was a, a lot of excitement. Shakir was magical. And that feeling, I think, is, is really the conditioned response that most of us have as fans. That's where we're at. And so we're always seeking that. And once you get it, you, you understand what it is and you, you think it's there. And then we're not conditioned to seeing it go away. And that's exactly what happened uh, in the third quarter. And those woes, and I'll get to that, plus some of the stars for Central Florida that Boise State really had no answer to. But the third quarter, not only was there no offense, I mean, there were bad snaps. They couldn't run the football. And when they had third and longs, like third and 19 from their own 16, third and eight from the 13-yard line, and they threw a pass at least to C.T. Thomas that didn't work out, and then third and 10 from the Boise State 25, so they ran it and didn't gamble and, of course, didn't get it. I thought that the confidence in Hank Bachmeyer wasn't sky high. They didn't want to say that publicly. Their actions spoke louder than words, and that concerns me, that when they think they're in the wrong field position, they're not at a point where they have a quarterback and the other 10 guys and the other, you know, actually there's a lot more than just 11 people involved in whatever happens on offensive plays the way they substitute and bring guys in. So all the offensive personnel involved, I don't think they feel like they have them operating at a high enough level that they're just going to let it rip against an opponent on the road as highly skilled as Gabriel and Central Florida was on, say, third and 19 from your own 16-yard line in a tight game. Or, you know, you're in a third and 10 from your 25 and the other team's breathing down your back. They're not going to do it. A lot of coaches won't do it under any circumstances. And I'm going to give them more credit because if you – Look at it from that perspective. Boise State was one play away from winning that game almost to the very last play. And sometimes that's all you can ask out of your coaches is to get us in a position to be able to win the football game. And they did that. And I don't see that we're all reacting that way, but they did that. They put themselves in a position in the fourth quarter to win the football game. Now, as time goes on, if you don't do that often enough, that won't be enough. And then we can say and start doing the comparisons about where they've been, where they are, and where they need to go. That's fine. Now, let's look at Central Florida for a second. Now, we're talking about a football coach and staff that comes in primarily from Auburn, and they're re-gearing up they have a electric quarterback one of the best in the country and so they go over to northwestern and they add this bowser kid he transfers in what does he do 172 yards rushing a power run game where's boise stayed out and then you know not only do they get transfers from other schools all over the country they get this jalen robinson kid in from oklahoma he has unbelievable catches and 140 yards receiving so this is a new era of college football. And when you get a coach that has accomplished as much as Malzahn has at the top, 
you're going to get other top kids that want to transfer in and play at a great school like Central Florida. Boise State will get it too, but that was part of what Boise State, to me, was facing, was all of that on the field. I get to some of the uh, thoughts on Big 12 expansion and and where that's all going is the ESPN people have started to um, kind of break the news down on, on where things are going, but uh, for now, I think everybody's still doing some guessing until they speak, but I want to get to the details about whether or not the Big 12 uh, is going to be expanding uh, and, and how quickly or when that will happen. But look, we're in a situation right now where the NFL is on and everybody's you know in, in an office or going back to an office and, and all that. But here's some exciting news. The, the podcast here and all the Believe Podcast Network is partnering up partnering up with playactionpools.com this season. So you get some interactive fun. You're going to be able to get in on the action with the playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge. So it's open to everybody, and here's how it works. You just sign up for the contest at Believe Football Pick'em at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in every week. We're going to select the 10 highest-profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week is going to win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. You don't want to use them, give them to somebody that will because they'll like that. So playactionpools.com, sign up for the contest, B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com right now. They've got Survivor uh, Pick'em as well as a cool sports book style concept called Build Your Bankroll. So playactionpools.com, it's your new home for all your office sports pools. All right. Uh, so these transfers did, do a great job for Central Florida. I, th- I thought another thing that was on display was really this conversation about where these two programs are, are headed. And now the reports are out there about uh, Central Florida being in the conversation to get into the Big 12. I'll get to that in a moment. But my thoughts on the bounce house, which received a lot of attention. It's great marketing. I think they've done some brilliant things marketing-wise. Uh, but the, the, the stadium itself, metal bleachers, porta potties underneath, uh, at least on the visitor side, uh, very shaky infrastructure, concessions pretty weak, really. Uh, the stadium reminded me of the University of Nevada's because there's so many metal bleachers around it. Uh, they are nowhere near Big 12 level in football uh, with their stadium. Now, that's the physical part of it that they can solve because of their tremendous uh, budget situation, which they've got a lot of dough. Uh, I thought the energy in that stadium was fantastic. The fan support in Orlando is there for this football program. They've got 12,000 students that come to these games. They put 6,000 in one end, 6,000 in the other. If you look at it from a game day management system and how they run a game, and how they present it to the fans. It's it's for a younger person, and they mix in a lot of music and energy. So it's an experience. And I, and I hope Boise State, and I think Jeremiah Dickey's figuring all this out too, this is the experience people seek. And you got to start appealing to the young people and, and understand that a lot of us that are not are there for the football anyway. So we'll kind of tolerate this other stuff if, if we choose not to like it. I do. I thought the national championship declaration for 2017 on the press box uh, was embarrassing. I would move that as the new athletic director. I would not keep it there. I don't think that should be the focal point of everybody that looks 
uh, at the stadium from the visitor's side uh, or anywhere else up at that press box. That's what you look at. That's the biggest, highest profile thing they want to tell you is that despite nobody agreeing with them other than one computer poll, which wasn't used in any official CFP polling, <laughs> uh, they say they won the national championship. That's embarrassing to me. And the future of college football living there is an interesting story. Uh, that's a slogan that they picked up. National media is picking it up, and it's all over the stadium. So when Gus Malzahn uh, was hired at his introductory news conference, uh, I don't know if he came up with this or they told him to use it, but that's where that slogan came from, that the you know college football future lives right there in Orlando. And so he uses it, and the marketing people then put it on billboards from everywhere, from Tallahassee to Gainesville, Miami, uh, other select locations throughout the state of Florida during the offseason. And on these billboards, they have a mileage indicator, depending upon where the billboard is, on how many miles you are as you read the billboard about college football's future living in Orlando, how many miles you are from Orlando. And they wanted to take a shot at Florida State, Florida, and Miami, of course. But they really want to communicate to their recruits that Central Florida is where you want to be. On top of all this, because of the malls on Gus Bus, ESPN Plus is jump, uh, jumping on board, and they're doing an all-access documentary series. It's called Our Time UCF Football, and they will premiere those episodes this Thursday. So you know if you have ESPN Plus, it'll be all about how they handled uh, the Boise State game. So in terms of the atmosphere, I thought the Bronco fans did a tremendous job, those that made it. I don't believe as many made it for this game as have in the past for big opening games elsewhere. Orlando was a, a resort destination with a lot to offer, and I don't think uh, there was as many there as I would have anticipated. I'd have thought they'd had two to three times the amount of fans they got there, but the ones that were there were very loud. But COVID is getting in the way for a lot of people, and certainly the team doesn't have an expectation that they're going to get right into the New Year's Day Six Bowl game. So it's a different season for a lot of those reasons. I thought the atmosphere from the Central Florida side in terms of their fan behavior uh, is sort of indicative of the, of the age of the fan. Uh, it, it, there's 12,000 kids that take part in being the loudest, and they're, they're 21 years old or under. A lot of them look like true freshmen, and they mocked Boise State. They taunted Boise State. Uh, they had degrading cheers about Boise State while Boise State players were injured on the field. They didn't even think about that. So it's just a different place in that way. I'm not going to completely throw it away, but let's get into this Big 12 expansion anyway and, and where it's at because ESPN came out with a report uh, that confirmed what I thought and some of the people I talked to think that Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida, and BYU are the four. And it's interesting because you got three of those four coming from the American. And if that's true, uh, that means for this to happen, they got to give the American 27 months notice. So that's a little over two years and three months. So you do the math. If they're going to get out in July of 2025, that means they've got to start tell some. They got to start telling somebody in April of 2023. We're getting a little closer to that, but there's time, and they got to do that. They got to get 27 months' notice, and every one of those schools has to pay 10 million dollars to join another conference. So, 
in in 2019, the American changed their rules when UConn wanted to leave and go independent, and that was fine, but UConn had to pay $17 million to get out. Now, check out the Idaho Press or BlueTurfSports.com with B.J. Raines. He caught up with Jeremiah Dickey, and he asked him about Big 12 expansion and where Dickey is at on all this. And Dickey said that, you know, his good friend is uh, Rhodes, the, the Baylor AD. He talked about uh, Rhodes being more like a brother to him, not a, a guy that he's pitching to get into the Big 12. Uh, I would read that as suggesting that Dickey doesn't want to raise anybody's expectations. He doesn't sound confident that it's a possibility for Boise State. And I think eventually, uh, if and when it happens that the Big 12 invites four other schools and not Boise State, and with the fluidity of situations, though, if the Big 12 offers four schools and they all go in and then the Big 12 changes their mind as they get closer to 2025 and add, who knows, four more, you know, I think he may be careful what he says because of the fluidity fluidity of all this. Uh, but I think you may get to the point, though, where you could share the reasons that you know as the athletic director why you did not get the invite and those other four group of five schools did. And you could make that your blueprint for change. And that blueprint may include more money to education, uh, more money to improve the uh, research capabilities of the academic side of the university. It may include a bigger budget for your program. There's a lot of things that he may choose to use to indicate how far Boise State has to close the gap and become Cincinnati uh, or Central Florida or Houston and, and those places getting the opportunity. Now, there's some things he can't change. You can't make Boise the city, the area, as metropolitan and as huge as Houston. I don't care what he or anybody else want to do. He knows that. So there's some things you can't change. But I do think they may get to the point where he'll do that. Now, this pledge to sell out all home games is starting up this Friday night. Boise State has UTEP coming in. It was announced here they've got 5,000 seats to be sold for this Friday night's game. It's going to be tough because Boise State also has announced that everybody has to wear a mask inside or outside. Uh, They've got great weather. Uh, That's going to help them. The loss will not help them. Um, So they may get some walk-up. I know that people who've been vaccinated are very opposed to wearing masks, and that's what it is. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent depends upon your perspective about all of this. I don't think UTEP's going to sell any tickets, despite the fact they've got, like, 19 starters back, and they throttled New Mexico State on the road 30-3 to already to start 1-0. It's going to take something a lot more bold than that. I don't quite know what that is right now, but maybe Jeremiah Dickey has some thoughts. But they're going to have to do something to get the natives to not be restless but to want to rally around Boise State. All right, I've rambled quite a bit. There's uh, almost 30 minutes of what I thought about this Central Florida-Boise State uh, tilt. I do think it's a team that surprised me with their resilience and their ability to stay within one play of defeating a team on the road with horrific conditions in front of them with all those delays. So it was a good it was a good showing for where they're at in 2021, but I would agree with those that want to compare them to the great teams of the past, that there's some work to be done to get there at the quarterback spot, the offensive line spot, uh, the defensive line. There's, there's plenty of room here to say they're not that kind of a team yet.
Maybe they'll get there. Andy Avalos seems to think so. I thank you for joining me. Rate it, review it, pass it on, subscribe to it. Do that as well. This is the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network. I'll talk to you next week for Boise State UTEP. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.